So my youth pastor used to always say to me, and it was really weird when I sat in the room, he would say, you know, some of you in this room, you know, are going to grow from this and some of you aren't. And I always thought that was a hard thing to say, right? You know, because it was like, some of you are going to get it. The rest of you are just really, you know, and uh, I'm not saying that, but I understand what he means now because it's just the way that we learn. Uh, It's how we apply ourselves to truths that really determine if we get it or if we run with it or if we retain it. And I think in scripture, there's things that are there, stories, examples, analogies that kind of inspire us. And we say, wow, God, that's, that's a big deal. And then there's stories that are just loaded with truths, or if you'll let me use the word channels, that would, would channel you in directions of ways to live. So this, this, what we're about to read here, is really just a truth or a system of God, or a way of God, that if you apply this to your life, it's, it's a part of the arsenal that God wants you to have. Are you with me? And so I want to talk about this idea, and if you were with us actually in our first year, I, par- I shared parts of this sermon in our first year, uh, and then I revisited it because we're not in a series, you're kind of in between holiday, and so I was saying to God, you know, what do, we, what do we share? What do you want me to say? And I'm still in the vein of simplifying, addicted to busy, and, and just stewarding our life in a way that we get the best out of our lives. We just got to get the best out of our lives. God, God is in a place, he doesn't need us, but he needs us to get the best out of our life because he's got great work for us to do here, amen? And so I'm just in this vein of, okay, God, and so this uh, truth that we're going to look at here in Genesis is this. You'll see it in Genesis chapter 22. Most of your Bibles will read in verse 1, the headline of the story says, God tested Abraham. Now, I don't believe that God does bad things to people. He's not that kind of God. It's not in his nature. But I do believe that he uh, evaluates and has his eye on our obedience and how we steward our lives, right? Uh, He says in scripture that if you're faithful in little, I'll give you more. I believe that he's looking at our lives to see how we act in obedience and how we respond, not only to things that the scripture has called us to, but even the nudges that he's called us to. Uh, You know, you could be in a grocery store, you could be somewhere and you get that inkling of God's calling you to, you know, meet the need of somebody or do something. Well, you don't have to look in the Bible to see if that's a truth or that's a moment where you're just responding to God in your life. Amen. And so I think there's times we look at the Bible for truths, and there's times where God calls you to things, and he's looking to see how you're going to respond. And so the scripture says it here, you know, that God tested Abraham. And I believe that about our lives. I believe that we are tested, but I don't believe we're tested in the sense that God's like, hey, I'm going to give them some bad things, and I'm going to have these things happen to them and see how they respond. But I believe he's measuring our obedience in our hearts. We all comfortable saying that? And so I have a lot of reading here, and then it's going to lay out the whole sermon, and, uh, and then we'll just play with a couple thoughts out of here. Uh, but Genesis chapter 22, I'll read it all to you, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for a place that God had told him about. Little thought here that's not in my sermon uh, is this. Isn't it interesting that God called him to do something he really didn't want to do? And in the process of it, there was a lot of work. 
You had to cut the wood, get the donkey, da-da-da. Many times in ministry when you're being obedient to God, there's times where you just have to go ahead in something that you don't like doing. God's called you to do it. You need to be obedient to it, and there's work in it, and you got to cut the wood, and you got to get the donkey, and you never wanted to do it in the first place, but you're just somebody who's being obedient to God. A lot of times, that's the thing that actually provides the miracle in your life is just doing what God's called you to do obediently. Amen? So he says that, and then, uh, and then the place that God told him, and then in verse 4, it says, On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So here you had three-day travel. He said to his servant, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then I will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As, so his son is carrying the wood, carrying the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood is here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? So he's starting to add up. This is not making much sense. We're missing something here, Dad. Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering of my son. And the two of them went together. And when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. This is real. This is what's happening. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by his horns or in the bushes was a ram. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. To this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord will provide, or the Lord will be provided. So interesting picture here. Obviously, the short story of it, Abraham walks in obedience and God provides. You know, that's the easy way to say it is Abraham goes all in no matter what. He obeys the voice of the Lord, and then God is a person who steps in and provides. It's what I alluded to earlier in our giving is that, you know, whenever you say, look, I'm going all in in obedience, I'm following you wholeheartedly, uh, God always steps in and becomes the blesser or the provider or the one who really takes care of, amen? And I believe we live in a culture right now, especially in Christianity, especially in those who call themselves Christ followers and those who say, uh, I want to live God's ways. I want to live his principles. I care about his kingdom. I believe that we live in a, in a place right now where God is wholeheartedly got his eye on looking for people who he can trust. We have far too many people with interest in the things of God and not enough people with a burden for the things of God. Well, that sounds good, and it kind of fits in my humanitarian idea, and da, 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 and they have an interest for it. But when it comes to walking out the obedience of it and being somebody that God can depend on, it gets gray. Are you with me? But God is looking for a culture that he can trust, a person that he can trust to cut the wood and load it up and walk the mountain. Why? Because we got to be people that God can count on to make a difference. And a lot of times I believe we think that's a great big ministry. We think that's a great big platform. I'm going to be used by God. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to da-da-da-da-da. But you know what he did here? He cut wood, and he climbed a mountain, and he did built an altar. He, he did practical living things. He followed through on simple obediences in life. 
How are you going to put yourself in a position to see God come in as your provider and your blesser? It's going to be when you live this simple, practical, everyday life things in obedience that God can then provide and come alongside. Amen? You just got to stick to it. Sometimes I believe the greatest ability you can have in the kingdom of God is just stickability. You just stick to it. You just stay at it. Many times in ministry, I've seen the people that rise to the top or the people that make it the furthest are the people who just understood what it meant to be faithful. They just stayed. They just out-faithfuled other people. They weren't the most talented. They weren't the most educated. They weren't the most put together, but they were just the most faithful. God could trust them. God could see that at the end of the day, they were going to be obedient above their own preference. Amen? Amen. I thought about in Luke chapter 1, it was said about the Virgin Mary. It said that God chose the Virgin Mary, which means that there were other people in the running, right? If he said that he came and he chose Mary, it means that maybe God's eye was on other people. But there was something about her that was found, what? Dependable and trustworthy to carry the Son of Man, amen? And that's why the scripture says that faithful in little, he will give you more. Abraham was a person that God could trust. He went all the way in obedience and God could provide for him. He says about it to Abraham, hey, so look at the stars, so shall your seed be. Gives him this great promise about how uh, you're gonna have multiple generations and, and you're gonna be the father of many nations. Gives him all of these things about his life and miraculously gives him this son Isaac. And then he pulls this one on him. See, I've shown you that you can trust me. Look at me. I've given you your miracle. God's provided for you. Now you've seen that. Now I want to see if I can trust you. And that happens a lot of times in our life. We come in and we pursue God and we, we follow, and then God gives us blessing. And then there becomes a, a moment in our lives when we, we get to a point with God where we either love his blessings and we fall out of love with the blesser, right? How many have ever got that? We get all this stuff, we get on our feet, God has blessed us, God has positioned us, we have all this stuff, and then we choose to neglect the blesser, and we keep all our focus on the blessings. And so here he's saying, hey, I've given you this blessing, but let's see if your eyes are still on the blesser. And so he says, hey, you know, go sacrifice your son, take the thing that I gave you. A lot of times God wants to know, do we love him or do we love the things that he gives us? What is your attitude when you come to church and it's not chill bumps and all the fun? Are you still in love with coming to his presence and just being with God? Or do you have to have the right song and the right sermon and all the stuff, flash and flare? Or do you just like to come and pursue your heavenly father? Same thing in your study time, when you read the word or when you worship and you have all these things, does it have to be all the chill bumps and all the things, or do you just enjoy time with God? Amen? We have to be about the blesser. A lot of people chase the blessing of God and not God. I thought about it like this. Satan will give you the blessing so that you don't get God. He'll find a way to make sure that you're blessed and you have all this and you say so just so distracted with blessing that you really don't get the full idea and picture and weight of who God is in your life. Amen? So at this time, obviously, God is very much against human sacrifice. In this culture, there is no churches. In Abraham's time, there, there is no churches. There is no Bible. There is no Jesus. There is no, you know, all. But in this time in culture, uh, there was human sacrifices, so at this time, you saw different people uh, sacrificing either, you know, their firstborn or other things like this. And so 
Jesus, or you know, so God at this time says to Abraham, I would like to see you sacrifice yours. And I wonder if it's just God doing this. Hey, I see how much the world is willing to do for their gods. I wonder how much you're willing to do for me. How would you say that in today's world? I wonder if God looks down now and says, hey, I see how much you do uh, for your schedules. I see how much you do in your checkbooks. I see how much you do in your friendships and your social activities. I wonder if you would be willing to give me the same type sacrifice. Are you with me? He takes something they were doing in the world and says, I wonder if you're willing to give that much for me. Uh, That challenge is raised to us all the time. I wonder if as much as you give in your schedules and your calendars to everything else, I wonder if you're willing to lay that much obedience unto me. I think God does the same thing to us. I think he looks at our careers and he looks at different things and he says, wow, look at the passion in the drive, in the, in the zeal that you put into career or uh, bank accounts or investment. Look at all of that diligence that you put into that. I wonder if you would put that same kind of zeal and attention into the kingdom. Do you think he tests us in those same ways today? Amen. So God says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. The interesting thing about this story is Abraham had two sons. At this time, he knew exactly what God was talking about when he says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. He had two sons. One was a problem child. And so at this time, he was saying, hey, give me your what? Best. Don't bring me the second best. I need your best in this. If you're going to be fully obedient to God, we have to be a people who bring our best to him. The second best is usually a little bit of effort with an excuse. Well, I couldn't quite bring my best, but I brought Ishmael the second best because this, this, and this, and here's the reason why it's the second instead of the best. We do that all the time, don't we? We bring God the second best with some excuses of why it's not the best, and then we feel better about ourselves. But he's saying, no, bring your best because I know you have the best. Amen? God was specific. He's a specific God. And when he's looking at our lives about how we're managing them and how we're stewarding them and how we're uh, being obedient to him, he is into details. He is into making sure we follow him wholly. Uh, In Luke chapter 5, he says a great story about how specific God is. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus tells the fishermen they're out all day. They come in, they've washed the nets, they've put everything away. And if you're thinking of their time, they don't have our technology. They don't have all their, So they've washed the nets. They've folded the nets. They've gone through the whole process. And Jesus tells them to go out and cast their nets. He says, hey, go back out into the deep and cast your nets, plural. And the story goes on to say uh, that they didn't give their best, that they held back a little. They didn't fully obey. And it says that they threw out one net. And when they did just the one net and not their nets, they begin to rip and shred and tear And it caused crisis and chaos in their situation. Why? Because they didn't follow wholly what God commanded them to do. And it caused chaos in their life. I mean, you know, the same thing happens to us when God calls us to something and he's specific and you know in your heart he's told you to do it a certain way and be an obedient way. And then we choose to do it our own way and we bring our second best and we don't fully listen. It causes things to tear and be disruptful in our life. Amen. And we look back and we go, I wish I would have just listened in the first place. It would have saved me a lot of headache, amen? We can't afford to hold back in this culture. We will continue to be steamrolled by the secular 
culture that we see if we don't start bringing our best to our communities. We say, well, you know, I'm giving a little. I'm giving a little. That's like me going on a diet and saying, well, I'm giving up asparagus. You know, I'm still eating my pizza and my Mountain Dew. But, but, you know, I'm doing good. I'm giving up some broccoli and some, right? It doesn't count, right? If you want major change, if you want to make a big difference, you have to make a big sacrifice. You have to give your best. Amen? So when was the last time you gave or you pressed in or you were obedient beyond just what was required? Oh, if I just, you know, they just need me to do this, that's it. I just need to do this and then we'll be good. I'm only going to do this. When's the last time you went to God and said, hey, what do you need me to do? Not what other people say is acceptable to do. God, what do you have for my life? When's the last time God spoke to you and it raised the bar and we did that and we went for the above and beyond with God? Amen? Wholehearted pursuit. I thought about Noah. The scripture says in Genesis that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. Who was he? He was a person who God could trust. And what happened in his culture when he lived as a person who God could trust, righteous and blameless, God provided a way in his life for him to rise above the storm, right? Literally spared his whole family, protected his family. Why? Because he lived and he walked in an obedience and God could see that he was trustworthy and provided a way for him, amen? That's why the scripture says that God is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. He's seeing that he can trust you. Your worth, you're you're, you're in a position uh, that he can put his blessing and reward you because you're somebody who can do what's right with it. Amen? And uh, that's a hard thought for us to think of that God is looking. But God wants to pour out blessing on you. And if we're not right, if we're not in position, that blessing actually crushes us, right? We can't handle it. I'll close with this. The scripture says about Abraham. This is a good thought here. It says that he rose up early, climbing the mountain with his only son. One translation says that he staggered up the mountain. It says he staggered up the mountain. Imagine in your life being called to do what he had to do. He loves God with all his heart. He knows the voice of God. He knows what it is to be called to do something. But it's hard, right? He's got to sacrifice the thing that he loves. He's got to give up something significant to him, probably security for him. Oh, we finally got this son. I'm secured. Some of us go, oh, we finally got the right job. Oh, we finally got this. We finally got this. And God's calling you to something that you need to be fully obedient to. Well, I don't want to do it. This is easy. This is great. And it says that he staggered his way up the mountain, trusting God, just working and grinding and being obedient and proving, God, you can trust me. You can trust me. I'm going to stagger my way up this mountain until I get there. You can trust me. Because obedience is hard, right? Because we don't see how it's all going to work out. He staggered until God provided Many of us just are in a position where you'll see a breakthrough in your community. You'll see a breakthrough in your family. If you just keep staggering, just keep going. The scripture says about Gideon that he said about, he said, I'm faint, I'm faint, but I'm pursuing my enemy. 
I'm getting tired here. I'm running out of gas, but I'm still pursuing the enemy. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to remain obedient because all God is looking for you to do is be in a place of obedience. When we're weak, he is strong. Just remain obedient. Amen. The problem is we get faint and we start complaining. We get faint and we start backbiting. We get faint and we start making crazy decisions. We get faint, we start complaining, which is the voice of unbelief. We start talking negative into our situation, calling in with our words, failure. Stagger and be faint, but be obedient. Amen? Abraham, I thought this was awesome. The first time God called Abraham, he mentioned his name one time. He said, hey, Abraham. Abraham answers. The second time he has to say, Abraham, Abraham. He's getting ready to kill his son, to sacrifice his son. And he says, Abraham, Abraham. You could say about Abraham, when he was walking in his obedience, it was harder to get his attention. We should be a people that when we're walking in obedience, when we're trusting God, when we're wholehearted, that it's hard to distract us. We're so devoted to what God spoke to us that we're keeping our eyes on it. We're keeping our eyes on it. We're not letting anything. Amen? So he has to call to him two times. We love to quit at the first distraction. Oh, look, an exit out of this. That looks good. And we jump out. God is saying, no, no, be obedient, be obedient, be obedient. The scripture says, in my last thought, that he arose early, saddled the donkey. He said to his servants, he had servants there, but it said he arose early and prepared the donkey. There's going to be some things you do when you're walking obediently to God that only you can do. Not the pastor, not the neighbor, not your family. You arise early and prepare your obedience. Don't look for somebody else. Don't look for You arise early and you finish what God has called you to be obedient in. Amen? And then it says this, after that, there was a ram caught in the bushes. It's the first time in scripture we see the word about God, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. When he was fully obedient and God saw that he could trust him, it put God in a position to be Jehovah Jireh, his provider. You don't have to do it by your own hand. You don't have to try to make it and grab it and pull. You just gotta be obedient to what God says. It's his responsibility to be the one who follows through on his word that he called you to, amen? Be faithful, stick to it, push through, and God becomes Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Amen?